Well, good morning, church. My name is Trevor Miller, and I'm the pastor of Family Ministries here at Mount Horeb. And I consider it a great honor this morning to be able to preach and spend time with you today as I share with you what I believe the Lord has laid on my heart during these really difficult days. We began a series last week as Pastor Jeff opened up the book of Philippians to us, and we began to wrestle through this series called Letters from Lockdown. Last week, Jeff shared with us that God has this amazing way of moving things forward, His kingdom forward, even in the middle of hard and difficult circumstances. Not only that, but if we allow Him to work within us, we can actually experience joy right in the middle of the trials. After being a father now for nine years, I've learned uh, one thing, that parenting is hard. In fact, my wife has this very famous saying, and it goes something like this, parenting doesn't work. Now, oftentimes it can definitely feel like this. You can feel like you try everything you possibly can, it just doesn't seem to do anything. So for my eldest son, we had a last-ditch kind of effort to help him to continue to become a responsible and healthy young man. And so we began to require for him, as we came into difficult times, to write sentences out on pieces of paper. I have uh, some results of his lockdown and his pen to paper right here. I will not fight and argue with my brother. I'll be brave, kind, helpful to others. My words and my actions are who I am. I will not trade anymore at school. So some of these were ways that we were trying to help him learn how to do better in certain circumstances. The most crazy thing is he hates to write. And so this has been actually pretty effective in some really significant ways. And because he hates to write, as he spends time writing these pieces of paper, oftentimes he comes back from this and he has a whole new clarity about the circumstance that was at hand. See, sometimes a lockdown is an opportunity for us to experience new clarity in what we're going through. In some ways, we've experienced a lockdown for the past few months. I've talked to many folks who have said that they certainly want to do this over again. They would never want to go through this again, but they believe that during this time, there have been things that have happened within them that would have never happened had life continued on just as status quo. You see, as Jeff mentioned last week, Paul's writing the book of Philippians from jail. He's been arrested. He's in chains, more than likely in one of three areas, either Rome, Ephesus, or Caesarea. He's writing in the midst of chains about the good news of Jesus. And as I read through this letter, I find also that Paul seems to have this incredible clarity, this deep conviction about the things that he's writing. And maybe it would have not have been possible aside from his arrest and his imprisonment. And so as Paul enters into chapter 2, which is what we're going to look at today, he introduces the idea that we as Christ followers, we as people who follow Jesus, we see Jesus as our model. He is what we are to emulate within our life. And if we have question on how to live, move, and breathe, we should look no further than the person of Jesus Christ himself. In fact, in verse 5 of chapter 2, Paul writes this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In your relationships with one another. As Paul writes to those living in Philippi at that time, he's writing to them to help them to realize how to become the healthiest and most powerful version of themselves. Now, obviously, within our life as well, Paul is touching on something that's very sensitive, our relationships with one another. It really is the greatest stumbling block to executing this kingdom life. It's how we relate to each other, both inside and outside of the church. And Paul is speaking to this very thing. The way you relate to one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, this word mindset that Paul uses is a very important Greek word. It's a loaded Greek word. It's the word phroneo. 
And it literally comes from a combination of two different words. The first one is this, the inner parts that surround the heart. And the second part is a proper regulation. So as Paul writes this word, this mindset that Paul is speaking about, it is more than just a certain belief. It is more than just a cognitive idea, but it is a deep internal disposition that actually properly regulates how we live our lives and how we treat others. And by allowing the Spirit of God to work in us and through us, we can begin to have this mindset that must be the core of who we are. You know, I know a lot of Christians who think Jesus is a really good idea, like in theory. And even as they have conversations and as they live their life, Jesus' name might be used a lot. And even some of his teachings may be referenced. But when it comes down to it, Jesus actually dictating and regulating the way they live, think, and function that practice just isn't there. But Paul says, with incredible clarity, the way you relate to one another, you must have the mindset, the proper regulation internally, this deep inner conviction and guidance that comes from Jesus himself because he is our model. Then he goes on to say this in Philippians chapter two, verses five through eight. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider his equality with God something to be taken to his advantage. Some translations say his equality with God should not be something to be exploited. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see what Paul is talking about here Paul is talking about power. See, Jesus, who was equal with God, did not see his equality with God, his power, his status, as something that he could use for his own advantage, something that he could exploit, something that he had to cling to. But instead, Jesus was one who laid it all down and took on a new nature, and that nature was one of a servant. A servant. From the very top to the very bottom. From one above to one below from heaven to earth, from divinity to humanity, Jesus laid down his power. And this is profound. This is a profound statement because if we're not careful, we will miss the fact that this is a defining aspect of who Jesus is. And ultimately, this is a defining aspect of who God is. And this is good news. This is good news because this means that our God lays down his power to help the powerless. Our God lays down his power to heal the broken, to save the lost, to rescue the perishing. And Paul writes in this letter from lockdown that this must be our model. This must be the thing that we gauge our entire life around. There's another letter from lockdown that has not left my mind in days. It's a letter that was written from a Birmingham jail by Martin Luther King Jr. in 1963. Dr. King had traveled to Birmingham, Alabama to be a part of peaceful protests and sit-ins alongside of Alabama Christian Movement of Human Rights. And while he's behind bars, Dr. King first responds in this letter that he writes to criticism that he was an outsider who had come to Birmingham to cause trouble. He makes this statement, and it has haunted me all week long. He writes this, I am in Birmingham because injustice is here. 
Just as the 8th century prophets left their little villages and carried their thus saith the Lord far beyond the boundaries of their hometowns, and just as the Apostle Paul left his little village of Tarshish and carried the gospel of Jesus Christ to practically every hamlet and city of the Greco-Roman world, I too am compelled to carry the gospel of freedom beyond my particular hometown. Like Paul, I must constantly respond to the Macedonian call for aid. Then he says this, and moreover, I'm cognizant of the interconnectedness of all communities and states. I cannot sit idly by in Atlanta and not be concerned about what's happening in Birmingham because injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Dr. King knew that if injustice is not confronted, then injustice will spread. Dr. King knew that there were those who have power and they will see it as something to take advantage of, to see it as something to exploit. And by definition, this is anti-Christ. So Paul writes about this. Dr. King writes about this. The past few weeks have been very heavy and painful for many in our country and in our community. At the heart of this turmoil is a wound that is over 400 years old. I certainly do not feel qualified to speak about the history of racism and injustice within our country, but I do know this. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. I believe our response as the church, as followers of Jesus Christ, it must be modeled on the life and the example of Jesus. Paul's letter from lockdown sounds a whole lot like Dr. King's letter from Birmingham. And our response to our current circumstances must be a conscious laying down of power as we emulate Jesus. I would define power as any situation that we find ourselves within where we have, because of our background, our lineage, our strength, our education, or our privilege, we have the upper hand. The way of Jesus is being willing to lay down this power and not use it for our own advantage, but instead use it to lift others up and move them forward. Now, certainly this power is on most display right now in terms of racial injustice, in terms of our need of racial reconciliation, but it is certainly not limited just to that. You see, within a marriage, oftentimes there's one person or another who has a certain amount of power, a husband or a wife. This power may come from marital roles or potentially a past mistake of some kind. And the question is, how will you use your power? Will you use that power to hurt and harm or will you use it to help? and to heal. Maybe in the workplace, there's an employer who sees his position and his power such that he can mistreat the people that work for him or her. They wield their power as a weapon rather than seeing their power as something they can offer to invest in the lives of people. In the political realm, our leaders that we elect, they use this power and they abuse it. As opposed to serving and protecting this power, it must be handled in a way that that expresses care and a servant attitude. You see, we have a systemic problem with the the abuse of power because of our sinful nature. It actually permeates every part of our lives. And unfortunately, this problem has reared its ugly head and bubbled to the surface in a very, very painful way. So Paul says that Jesus saw his power as something that he would lay down freely give up in order to become one of us and to live as a servant. 
within these four short verses, we see the extremes of power. In in verse six, we see Jesus who became a servant. But in verse eight, we find out that Jesus, he became obedient. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And this death on the cross is a culmination of three major forms of power in the earth at the point in time when Jesus died. First, it was the religious leaders who saw Jesus as a threat to the religious establishment. They used their power to arrest him. Second, the political power of the day, Rome. Rome saw Jesus as a threat to their control within the region. They beat him and they crucified him. And third, the most powerful of all was sin and death. Evil itself killed Jesus because he threatened its plans to destroy all of God's creation. Three powers that result in the death of Jesus Christ. Jesus gave up his life. He allowed himself to take on the ultimate result of sin. The Bible says that he was crushed for our iniquity so that we wouldn't have to be. So, you want to be a Jesus follower? You want to be someone who calls himself a Christian, who follows the way of Christ? Then Paul says, you must have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who gives up power and serves those around him. I had the unfortunate privilege just a month ago to speak at my father-in-law's funeral, Derwood Owens. It was something that I would hope I would never have to do this soon. I didn't want to do it. And after being married to my wife for 11 years, I was honored to have Derwood as an amazing dad in my life. And as hard as it was physically to speak about him during the funeral, it was incredibly easy to brag about him. He was an amazing man. We've received letters and emails since the funeral, and each letter that we read, each email that we read, they say the exact same thing about him. They all say this. Derwood was a humble man who served others around him. They say things like this. He treated everyone the same. It didn't matter your position, either the top of the totem pole or the bottom. Derwood loved them all. See, my father-in-law, Derwood Owens, exemplified the mindset of Christ. He exemplified the servant attitude. One thing that I'll never forget about him was I would love to go over to his house because he loved to cook a good meal, invite people into his home and give hospitality. He loved to cook and watch people enjoy a good meal. When he would walk around the kitchen as he cooked, he would take a towel. He always throw it over his shoulder. As he walked around, he would wipe his mouth. He would wipe his hands. This was kind of his trademark. I love to watch him do it. In fact, I began to do it in my own home after watching him. As I shared during the funeral about Derwood's servant heart and his toweled shoulder during the funeral, I was reminded of another towel within the scriptures. It was the very model that that Jesus gave us, the very model that Derwood followed. And it shows up in John 13, just hours before Jesus would be arrested and crucified, Jesus is enjoying a meal with his closest friends. He's spending time with the disciples. The Bible says that he gets up from the meal and he does something amazing. The Bible tells us that he goes and he then takes a towel. And the Bible says that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. So Jesus, with this towel, was about to do something he didn't have to do. 
This was a choice. This was something intentional on his part. And so with all the power that had been placed underneath him, someone who had equality with God, here's what he does. He wraps himself in a towel and he washes the disciples' dirty and dusty feet. This was a servant's job within the home. This would be a job for the lowest of the low. And the God of the universe, Jesus Christ himself, takes it on himself. So when is the last time that you wash someone's feet? When is the last time that you put yourself last so you could put someone else first? When is the last time you laid down your power, your privilege, your possessions, your position in order for someone else to be elevated? You see, washing someone else's feet may mean putting down your defenses and listening to someone else's story of injustice. It may mean looking for ways to advocate for equality. It may mean doing the painful work of rooting out any racism that finds itself into your heart and into your life. See, washing someone else's feet may mean that you ask for forgiveness from your spouse even though you know you did nothing wrong. It may mean going the extra mile and doing something without being asked or simply because you want to. It may mean saying sorry because you made a mistake. You see, washing someone else's feet may mean fighting for legislation, may not be popular in order to lift people out of poverty, to make education attainable and communities safer. It may mean choosing what is right rather than choosing what is routine. This is what it looks like to have the same mindset as Christ. Deep conviction for all of our lives that makes us more and more like Jesus Christ because he is our model. A year and a half ago, I was given the opportunity to travel to Liberia, West Africa with Pastor Jeff Kersey. And for 10 days, Jeff and I would travel through Liberia and preach in United Methodist churches in Monrovia and take part in a week-long training for African pastors in a place called Banga. As we spent time there, our classroom was an open-air gym, concrete walls, concrete floors. 100 African men and women, young and old, came to the training. Some walked hours Some walked days in order to be present. I was humbled by the fact that I often feel hindered getting up an hour early to get to church on a Sunday morning. And these folks traveled from far, far away to spend time for this week. Jeff and I were invited to come to the very front of the gym at the very end of the week. As we came to the front of the gym, we were handed basins of water and handed towels. And one by one, We washed the dusty Liberian sand and dirt from our brother and sister's feet. I could feel the power as a white American pastor at a large church melt to the floor. I became a servant and I honored my friends with muddy water and a towel. See, church, I believe that we are at a crossroad. We have experienced these months of trial and days of lament, and I believe that we must choose how we will go forward. I believe the world is watching, and we have an obligation to lay down whatever power we have to take up our basins and our towels in order to serve the world around us. So what power do you have? What do you have to offer? Are you willing to lay it down in order to serve those around you? And here's the thing. In and of ourselves, we cannot muster up the strength to make this happen. This is a work of God that must be done within us. 
Following the verses that we just read that Paul wrote, in verse 13, he says this, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. This is a work of God that we must allow to happen within us, to transform us and to change us. I would invite you today to cry out to the only one who can bring true change, who can bring true justice, who can bring restoration, who can bring reconciliation. And his name is Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come before you right now. I want to be first in line to admit that what Jesus calls us to do is not an easy thing. What Jesus calls us to do in serving others around us and loving people around us is not an easy thing to do. It is not something that we, within our own human strength, can make happen. And so, Father, we open ourselves to you right now that your spirit would do a work within us, that we might become people of reconciliation, people of love, people who serve, people who look out for the interest of others rather than our own. I pray, God, that you would help us to emulate the life of Jesus. May you echo in our ears the very thing that Dr. King wrote as he said that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Help us to be people of justice. Convict our hearts where there's any source of racism. Convict our hearts and break the chains of pride that is in our midst. Would you break the chains of complacency within our midst? Would you make us more like Jesus? We love you, Father. And we need you in our life today. It's your name that we pray. Amen.